professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 708 on CJD. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. It's mid-tax season, Josh. How April, are you, my friend? April 23rd, one week <laughs> left to go, an accountant in tax season. I'm fantastic. Almost there, buddy. Almost there. Uh, our guest this evening, Philippe Lamar. Philippe is the owner of the creative agency Toxa and Urbania, a magazine which they pull, pull, uh, put out. Uh, Philippe, welcome to CJD. Hi, Dan. Hi, Josh. So should we start, as we usually do, by just uh, maybe going through a bit of what uh, what these two uh, outfits do? That's that, that's a great idea. And certainly, you know, and, and every week we have some great entrepreneurs and great stories. This is something that uh, Philippe started. There's a little bit of everything in this story, from the creative to the messy to the partner to the differentiation of themselves to the different types of products. There's so much that's going on here. So let's jump right into it. Male nudity, too, apparently. And a little bit of <laughs> frontal. No. We'll get to and that later. We'll get to that. <laughs> You'll so, see that later. Uh, so, uh, again, welcome, Philippe. And perhaps you can, uh, you can give the listeners and us a little bit uh, of background or a little bit of what is Toxa today. Uh, today, Toxa is, uh, Dan said, uh, we have three uh, areas of expertise. One of them is uh, creative services for uh, company, uh, companies. The second one is production house for video and interactive projects and the third one is a media company with Urbania the magazine and some other brands coming out in the in the next weeks and months now th there's different types of products and services but it didn't all start there where, where did this where did talks begin or where did your idea and your experience come from uh, I studied graphic design in university I went to UCAM and then went to the Uni University of Connecticut in the States and then to Emily Carr in Vancouver so I traveled uh, a bit of everywhere and then when I came back to Montreal to start working uh, I started off working in big ad agencies as a graphic designer uh, after a few months I became frustrated because I think deep inside of me I'm a rebel if you try to boss me if you tell me to go left I'll go right and if uh, so after a few months I got fired and I realized that if I keep on doing that I'll just keep on getting fired and I just said okay let's start my own firm because I think I'm unbossable <laughs> And uh, so in 2000, uh, a friend of mine was finishing school. I had been working for six months, I think. I had a few clients. I was working from home. And we just said, okay, let's rent a space. Let's start a business. Let's go out in the wild. Now, did you, how much planning was there? I mean, did you start with a business plan? Did you have any formal business education? Did you learn from parents or family or friends? How did you just jump right into it? Well, actually, my dad is an entrepreneur, so I had seen the lifestyle. But uh, no, I was a graphic design student. My friend that I partnered with uh, was always, I thought back then, was a good manager because he could live off with $10 for a few weeks. So <laughs> I said, okay, let's, let's partner with this guy and let's start up. So no, we just rented the space uh, and went after clients and we wrote a business plan as we started. So we wrote it as we went. Now, the business plan, is that something you believe in? And, and as, you, as you've grown your business, and we've talked a little bit about business plans here on the program before, and everybody to varying degrees has used it or developed it or not used it, but everybody has, a certain, has, has certainly attached a level of importance. So how has it become important to you? Or hates them and loves them too. Well, yeah. it, a business plan to me is, is a way to really focus on your vision. You, but you need to start off with the vision. You, it, it, it will never replace a vision. 
my vision was to really start a creative studio that I was uh, proud of, that was producing projects that I'm proud of. But then you have to see what areas of, of business you're, you're, you want to go after. And a business plan really forces you to really think that out. And, uh, and it forces you also to project yourself in the future to see if, uh, how far you can go with that, with that idea. But I don't think a business plan is really necessary because uh, uh, Urbania Magazine started off as, a, as an idea, as a project that I wanted to do with friends. And we never wrote a business plan for it. And it's been going on for nine years. So, I mean, it's, it's not necessary. It's just, but now after nine years, I, I'll write a business plan for the next 10 years because I, and I need to step down and just think about it. But I don't, I don't think it's, it's a necessity in the, the creative uh, business. How did you, you, you started a business, you, what, what was your first service or product that you offered and how did you get it out there to people? The first, uh, I was doing logos for schools, brochures for uh, drain uh, companies, uh, but the businesses we were going after were just the ones that were willing to give us business, <laughs> really. But those were the first two years, we were just, we, just paying rent and uh, having a beer at the end of the day in my own office was, to me, was an achievement. It's just after that, uh, the third year that we figured, okay, we're giving our talent to, to businesses, let's do something of our own. And we created a magazine called Urbania and we just went with that. And to me, that was really my focus at that point, to really do my own project. And by doing my own magazine, it brought business in from clients that I dreamed of. Had you, had you ever done any magazine or publishing before? I had done like student stuff, tiny fanzines, you know, nothing serious, but no, what the hell? I just said, let's do it. Let's uh, get some writers around. I know how to do graphic design. My partner well, kind of knew how to sell ads. We just started off uh, that way. We just said, okay, let's sit around the table and come up with a concept. And, you know, and, and so many entrepreneurs have this, this passion, this, you know, it's in our heart. Okay, I got to do this. This is, this is what I want to achieve. I have the background, in this case, graphic design. And how can I get my product out there? How can I get my name out there? How can I get what I love out there? Yet there's still a lot of intricacies and a lot of, in, a lot of individual thoughts and areas that still need addressing. How do, who do I get to publish? How do I distribute it? And all these things are kind of, the passion came first and then it came afterwards. And I, and I think we'll find as we come back uh, shortly, right after, right after the break, is where the entrepreneur starts with his love and his passion and says, wait a second, now I've got to turn this into reality. Now I've got to see how in the world am I going to get this product out there. And Philip seems to be uh, at least giving away a bit of his creativity with that magazine and how that perhaps has helped his business. We'll, we'll get to that question in a second. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. My name is Dan Delmar along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau and our guest this evening, Philippe Lamar, owner of the creative agency Toxa and the magazine Urbania. And we're talking about uh, using Urbania, the magazine, to sort of showcase your work. Was that your logic going in, in Philippe, that you wanted to sort of have this, this avenue to give away a bit of your talent in order to bring in business for Toxa? At first, the idea was really to have fun, to just gather friends around a project that, I, that we loved. But uh, after a few issues, we, we came up with really crazy ideas. And I think that attracted clients that were not necessarily attracted to us at first. Mm -hmm. So it, it, was, it became a showcase of what we can do when we have total freedom. And, uh, and I think that, that's, that's what make, uh, makes a Toxa today. Like, now, how did you learn about the distribution of a magazine? Oh, okay. That was, uh, 
when we thought about the idea of having a magazine, that's like kind of the last thing we thought about. And how are we going to get out there in the stores? So uh, we looked uh, at all the distributors uh, in Quebec, and there's three. Benjamin, Dynamique, and LMPI, La Maison de la Presse Internationale. And we just said, okay, let's see which one fits the best uh, with the product. And it was LMPI. So we uh, phoned them, said, we got this great concept, guys. Uh, uh, and we went over there, showed them a mock-up of the magazine, and they said, well, it has potential, and uh, we'll take you on board. And uh, since then, it's been nine years that we've been with them, and now we're probably one of the best-selling magazine, well, Quebec magazine at LMPI today. So they treat us right now. Now, pricing, th th that's got to be a concept that's not so easy to grasp onto when you're first trying to get your product out there. How did you figure out what pricing to start at or end at, for that matter? Uh, pricing. We, <laughs> we, as I said, for Urbania, we didn't have a business plan. So we just came up like, okay, four ninety-five. that sounds just about right. But then if you calculate all the cost of producing a magazine, because that I never calculate my own time, but I should. But uh, at, at first, uh, just to show you how, how like how totally creative, creatively driven this project was, when we first came up uh, with the, the first issue of the magazine, we were selling subscription subscriptions for fifteen bucks a year. But every issue cost, uh, let's say, one dollar fifty to print, mm -hmm. and then we printed really great-looking envelopes, vinyl en uh, vinyl envelopes for subscri sub sorry, subscribers. Sorry. So the, 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 every, the unit price came up to uh, about four bucks a piece times four, that's 16 bucks. And we're seeing subscription for 15, like how stupid is that? <laughs> but that, it took us a year to adjust the price and stop printing vinyl envelopes and print uh, regular envelopes. But uh, it's really, magazines are, are also something that you pick up at the store. So it, there's a, a, a psychological factor mm -hmm. to it. So it needs to be not uh, less than 10 bucks, I think, for a magazine. That's uh that's a psychological that's a barrier. Point. Yeah, it's a barrier. And in terms of pricing, switching over to the agency now, Toxta, as a creative person, how do you uh, tell clients, how do you charge for creativity, I guess? Because it must be hard to quantify your work sometimes. Mm. For many years, we've been undercharging uh, our work uh, just because we were having so much fun on projects. And, you know, and we, we really never realized, like, the importance of really pricing yourself right that, that because every time a client comes to you and, and and pays less than he should the respect is not there then the minute you, you realize how much you're worth but then to me i needed somebody somebody else than myself to negotiate that because i'm a, i'm a sucker for creativity every project that has creative potential i jump in and do not care about money mm -hmm. so that's why i hired the general manager that takes care of those things but i think uh it, it builds respect. You need to price yourself right, but it needs to come from an outside person, from uh, from my part, because uh, it's it's something that uh, you you need to to cost your overhead to see everything that that company needs to to be helpful, healthy, and. Uh, Do you and you were you were working with a partner? Were you guys on the same page with one another when it came to these types of ideas and thoughts? At first, yes. For the first, um, my partner back then, when I started, was a really good friend of mine. So when you start off, it, it's just two people. So you basically share everything that has to be done, 50-50. That's how you, you do it. But as the years went by and as the company grew, we kind of like became like an old couple. You know, we talked less and less, and frustration started to accumulate in, uh, in each other's hearts. Mm -hmm. And at one point it uh, blew up because uh, in 2008 uh, we 
I just finished a great project of ourselves. Like uh, our first TV series came out, and the, everything seemed great from the outside, but inside the company, it was like it was imploding, because uh, my my ex partner and I were just like not talking anymore, and not, not just not doing what we should do, and really build the business. It sounds like it's uh, it's an interesting story that we're going to delve into a little bit more. Partners that start off together, great ideas, great synergies that. You know, like a marriage, sometimes drift apart or sometimes don't share the same vision. And we'll come back with more in a moment. We'll talk about partners. It's Today's Entrepreneur on News Talk Radio, CJ 8800. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Philippe Lamar, owner of creative agency Toxa and the magazine Urbania. And Josh, we're talking about partnerships and when they go bad. And... Philippe started talking, you know, he was kind of zipping through the, you know, the, the, it was good at the beginning, it was bad at the end. But I, I'm wondering, uh, Philippe, if you can take a couple of steps back and kind of describe a little bit how it kind of fell down and maybe the selection process of a partner. Well, at first, when, when we started, the selection process was, this is a friend of mine. He's great. He's fun to hang out with. He's intelligent. Let's start a business together. It was really sudden love and just a desire to just start something with somebody you have fun with. But as the years went, um, I think it's just you, you need to write down on paper what your role is within the company. And that's something we never did because it was like a silent agreement between us. Um, and after was it, Were your roles clear between you two? For the first few years, yes, they were, because I was taking care of the creative services, and he was taking care of the managing of the business. But as, as we grew, as we had more and more employees, our roles kind of became a bit more blurred, because he was jumping in the creative part, and I was not really jumping in the, the managing part, but, I mean, our roles were just blurred. He didn't, my, my partner didn't give out stop doing the things he were not he was not good at and i think that became a frustration for him and as the frustration grew he started being resentful towards me and mm -hmm. same for me so I, really like an old couple you know you just accumulate frustrations and at one point it blows but the, the sad part is really but in 2007 we we got this great contract with uh, tv5 uh, the tv station they bought a tv show from us something we had never done before so we just started being a production house. We came up with this great series called Montréal en Douze Years. We had this big website that uh, accompanied the series. We won the Gemini Award for the series. At the end, we thought we were going to be rich. That we thought that this project was going to bring the company uh, to Hollywood or or something. But no, they, 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 this project almost killed the company because we spent all the every dime we had, every cent mm -hmm. we had in in the project. And at the end of the project, we we had forgotten that we had to develop new business. Oh, so this was a tough moment. And we'll come back to the we'll come back to the financing in just a moment. But from a partnership aspect, did you did you have a partnership agreement or a shareholders agreement? Were you did you kind of? And it's difficult to foresee the negatives or the or the bad things that can happen. But is there something that you had in writing that helped with the end, with help with the the final separation or divorce, if you will? We had a shareholders agreement. We had uh, done with a, fr a lawyer's friend of ours. In 2000 but uh, at the point of splitting when we started negotiating the, the, the buying off of the shares we couldn't find it anymore we had lost it or it was just <laughs> hidden somewhere we tried to, to to negotiate a deal without you know having to resort to, to the contract so we got our way out but if I 
I would start a business today, I would write one and think about the worst. You know, just the same way any divorced person will say, uh, you, know, you need a prenup. Mm -hmm. I think you need a prenup in business. And so the details, I mean, become extremely important. Is there anything that stands out of, the, of, of one or two items that you would absolutely include in there? Um, the, as I said, the roles. What's your role in that business? Why, do you, why are you guys sharing a business together? And what what will what does that mean? And also, there's things like death, and uh, you know all those things of life that you need to think ahead. What yeah. happens? You know, you don't want to be stuck with the the person's wife or husband. You didn't start a business with that person, so you need to think about those things. And you know, ju just like any will that people change from time to time, whether it's every year or every 10 years or five years, or whatever it may be, shareholders agreements, while they don't change so frequently, the entrepreneurs have to realize that circumstances change, that people and the type of business changes, and that may be something that was simple that was written in Philippe's case uh, 11 years ago or 12 years ago might not really apply today. So the, the, the importance of a shareholders agreement uh, to and to deal with that potential negative inevitable uh, is hugely important. And when we come back, I'm more interested now to hear about the good projects, the TV projects, and how it was very financial difficult at, uh, at times. Today's Entrepreneur with our guest Philippe Lamal continues in a moment. 7.33, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, Philippe Lamal. He's the owner of a creative agency called Toxa and their magazine, Urbania. And we're doing a lot, dealing a lot, Josh, with the negatives in the first half hour, but a lot of positives out of Philippe's story. And I think Philippe was just getting into it as he was diversifying their revenues and finding other sources. Perhaps, Philippe, you can fill us in on how you got into TV. When we started Urbania, we, we uh, were putting out a magazine every three months. And every, every, for every magazine, we came up with a microsite, a website for the magazine where we put like video and things like that, or video game. And uh, Catherine Poganat, who's a host of a, a show called Manche Ta Ville on RTV, saw what we were doing. And I did an inter interview with her on uh, Radio-Canada. And uh, I told her at the end of the interview, I'd like to do TV one day with Urbania. And then she phoned me two weeks later, said, do you want to jump in? Uh, I'm putting out a new show on RTV in, uh, in a few months. You want to jump in? Okay. I said, yes, of course. And I had Not knowing a thing about TV at the time. No clue. I had, <laughs> so I gathered a, a bunch of uh, talented people and I created a production cell within Toxa. And we started doing one-minute documentary and motion design films that had like critical successes, if I should say. And uh, people at TV5, the, the station, saw what we were doing. They thought it was fresh and they said, we have a 30-minute slot open right now for a cultural show. Would you like to pitch us an idea? And we just gathered around the table once again and said, okay, what would we like to do for TV? And we came up with this concept, which was called Montréal en douze years, so Montreal in 12 places, which is a way to look at our own city, but in a different way. It was really a way to go into like those places such as the Mont-Royal or Club 281 with mm -hmm. the male strippers or uh, uh, Cité 2000 where the, the heavy metal bands uh, go and repeat their tunes. So we did the documentary series about those places and we fell in love with our city once again. And we had financing also for an interactive experience called mtl12.com, 
where people could go and see not the TV show on the web, but really a di totally different experience. So we came, that, it was a crazy website. We al almost had a, a, as much money for the website as we had for the TV show. So for us, all of a sudden, we had almost a million dollars to play with, to have fun with. The greatest year uh, of my life probably was 2007 because of that. Now, but it was a difficult to manage. I mean, you were dealing with budgets that you might have not had, but you're also dealing with a certain level of expenses that you ultimately had to manage. And then, of course, there's life beyond TV. Yeah, exactly. But, but to us, the, the business grew from eight people to 30 that year. We just went crazy. We hired a bunch of people. We, we hired the best people that were available. And yes, at the end of the year, we were just... Okay, we kept everybody on board, which was a stupid decision. Instead of being like all the production houses, you hire people for your project, and at the end of the project, you just say thanks, uh, and we'll call you back when you have a new project. But just as people that we fell in love with everyone, we just thought we had this great uh, thing going for us. But and it was a slap in the face. After six months, we I realized that we were losing money, um, and we had to do something, and uh, that was a tough moment. Now, what about financing? Financing for these projects or for anything? Did you did you have difficulty getting it? Was it self-financed? How did you stay afloat with all the big expenses that were going? Oh, well, I never borrowed any money from the banks. But when you do a TV project specifically, there's something called in French a financement intérimaire, interim mm -hmm. uh, financing, that you can get. But uh, we had some help when we got the, this project. We we partnered with the Cirrus Communication, uh, established uh, production house. And they, they taught us how to do production. And uh, for us, it was like kind of a, a ladder. Uh, you know, it, it was a quick, uh, educa uh, quick education in movie production. When you finished the TV production, what was next? Were you before the last break saying, we concentrated so much on this new product or service that we didn't really remember to think about what was next? Yeah, we forgot to develop new business. For, for six months, uh, our administrative uh, employee at the time said, you guys should develop new business because in July you're going to be broke. And we were like, yeah, yeah, things will come. You know, that's, as an entrepreneur, you're an, I'm an optimist. You know, I always think things are going to work out. And that's what I tell myself every morning, you know, when I wake up. And uh, nope, in, uh, in December of that year, we were minus 100,000 uh, in, in the bank, uh, just realizing that, you know, that the boat was, was uh, not drifting, but mm -hmm. uh, falling apart. And we had to do something. So we, uh, we fired a few people. We kept the, the, the right ones. We had to refocus the business. We brought an outside consultant uh, within the business to help us structure the business. And, uh, but it took us a year, and we went back afloat. Do you find it difficult to work on current projects, to put your heart into current projects, and at the same time develop business in the future? No, now it's a, it's a reflex that I've developed and I enjoy it. Actually, just thinking like a year ahead to me now is, 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 is a pleasure. Before it was like I was living for the moment only. But after a while, you just realize maybe having kids to me was a really defining moment because I have to, I have, to have some security, I have to be stable. But also, the business is almost like a family. It's, if you're not stable, you can't grow. You can't grow it, and it's, it, you need to nurture it. And to me, developing new business is a way to secure the next few years. So it's, it's, it, to me, it's, it feels good now. 
mm-hmm. as you were going through the good times, the tough times, did you have a type of mentor or confidant or, or somebody you could rely on to either bounce ideas off of uh, or, or get any kind of ideas out of them? Well, my, my dad, of course, is, is somebody that I go to when I need uh, an advice. But I have a few people within the business world that, that can help me if I need to. But uh, really, it's the, the outside consultant really helped me go through the, that, that phase, that bad phase that we had. What I always ask around people, I, I don't have one mentor, but I have many, many people for different aspects. If for the creative part, I have uh, maybe Frédéric Metz, who used to be a teacher at UCAM that I can go to if I need some help. Or uh, for on the production side, uh, José Valley at Cirrus is uh, really, uh, she has experience in the production world, so she helps me a lot. So the, I, I go, I, I handpick my, uh, my uh, advices and I go to the people and I just ask them a blunt question. What should I do? You were talking a lot about talent before, where, you know, you when you first got on the TV show and the program, you brought in a lot of talent. Uh, you know, you're talking about a few of your mentors that are in the industry. Is it hard to find good talent in your business? Yes. Is it hard to keep them? Yes. What do you do to get or keep that talent? Uh, I think what attracts talent is the projects that we do. It's really... The talented creative types are attracted to agencies or companies that showcase the best work. And I think that's that's something that I think we've been successful at uh, producing nice projects. But I think to keep them, you need to keep them motivated to, to always have a new project coming up, to always have something to aspire to. And I think that's the toughest part, to really keep people motivated all the time. Is the work environment or your management philosophy, does that help keep them involved and keep them in tune and keep them wanting to come back every day as well? Yes, I think that helps. The The, the way we're, our business is structured, is, it's an open space. Uh, there's no hierarchy whatsoever. I mean, there's a boss, obviously, and a general manager and everything, but it, I'm, I'm not there to tell people what to do. Uh, uh, the people who are there are talented and they... They have the their, the answers within them. I'm just there to guide them. So I think that, to, to me, that's my f- managing philosophy is to really to nurture people in in a non-directive way. Do you make decisions in a democratic fashion? Do you consult everyone and and the majority wins? Ah, sometimes, but that's it's not that easy. <laughs> um, no, we're not that democratic. I think it's it's something I, I let people take decisions, but then at the end, I'm the one who says yes or no. Well, at the end of the day, the buck stops there, and you have the responsibility of making sure this company does stay afloat and does grow. Exactly. And it's uh, I'm carrying the weight on my shoulders, and sometimes I need to take the tough decisions. And it's uh, it's the role of an entrepreneur to... Now, to... You're, now, you're part of a creative agency. How do you get the word out there? What do you do for, for marketing? How do you make sure that Toxa is top of mind for people? You're always as good as your last project. I would say for us, which is fun with the Urbania magazine is that we come out with a magazine every three months. So we're in people's minds uh, every three months. So it forces us to really be creative uh, all year long. But also every project that we do needs to be award-winning material. Uh, Because I'd say I'm not uh, that big of a fan of award shows and and all that kind of stuff. But for clients, it's, it's something that's reassuring. If, if that company wins the award, they, they must be doing something good. So that's one way to do marketing. 
but we don't buy ads in magazines or we just do our work, do it well and get it out there. Using social media, using your own website. Yes, that's uh that's of course uh Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and you know, all that all that stuff is is really used to promote the company and promote our projects and our clients. Using it is it is it a strategic thought, use it in internal people uh or is it kind of more haphazard? No, it's it's strategic. The way we use our Twitter account for Toxa, it's say we we have someone that's almost fully dedicated to doing that all day long so you know looking at, at projects that are going on in other agencies other countries and just you know it's like uh, a veille you know in, in french we say it's you know with strategic veille it's it's just looking at the great projects that are being done everywhere and that way we we showcase that we're always looking at that type of uh, of great work and it uh, to, to us it's, it's a strategic approach Philippe Lamar, he's the owner of Atoxa, a creative agency. And speaking of social media, we're going to bring in Stephanie Darwish from Fuller Landau, who uh, does the communications at Fuller, at, uh, at your place, Fuller Landau, Josh. And we're going to talk about sort of uh, using social media in your business and also separating the, the personal and the professional, what can be, can, can be icky sometimes. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller and our guests this evening, Philippe Lamar, he's the owner of Toxa, a creative agency, and we bring into the conversation Stephanie Darwish, who uh, does communications at Fuller Landau. And we're talking social media, Josh, and whether or not it's a good idea to put uh, a bit of yourself in your business uh, Twitter or your ba business uh, Facebook account. I think entrepreneurs face this often. Are you promoting yourself? Are you separate from your business? Is the individual separate from your business? Are your employees Are they employees, separate individuals, or are they associated with the business? And Stephanie, uh, I'd love to get your take on this and, and the online representation, whether it's social media or whatever. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it depends, to be totally diplomatic. And it depends on the person and, I guess, their role in the industry. For me, in my head, in my role, I separate myself. I have a Fuller Landau Twitter account that is used primarily or only for Fuller Landau. And I have my Twitter account, Steph Darwish, that sometimes if something's interesting, like sometimes we tweet some business news that's interesting, so I'll retweet it from my personal account. But I see myself as two different entities, whereas I think in our firm, for instance, as an example, we're selling a professional service. So I would encourage maybe the accountants in our firm to have to be branded with their Twitter account as a person and the Fuller Landau because they're selling themselves. Now, for entrepreneurs always wanting to get their business out there, you would think that they might not want to separate themselves from the business because as much as they can get the name of their, their company or their business or their product or their service out there, that's what they want to achieve. So is it, you know, would it be even right or good for them to separate themselves from their business? I think, and based on what I've learned in the show a lot, is that entrepreneurs live their business 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So for them, their business is their brand and their brand is themselves as well. So they're not, I mean, to talk about me again, I love a lot of hockey. I really love hockey. So if I were to combine Steph Darwish and Fuller Landau, it would, it would be strange because it would be talking about hockey all the time, but I'm supposed to be representing accounting. Are you saying accountants don't like hockey? No, I'm not, <laughs> I would never say that. Okay. <laughs> I work with too many hockey fans. But Philip, who owns and runs Toxa, probably talks about Toxa a lot online and probably creative projects online and television online and graphic design online. So he would want to maybe combine it all. 
Well, let's ask him. Philip, how do, how do you, you run your social media, and do you put yourself into your Twitter and Facebook? Well, personally, I use the social media to push out uh, Toxa projects and Urbania projects. That's how I use it. That's I, I don't put personal pictures in my Facebook account. I, I just don't want to because I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm friends with too many people I don't know that well, and I, I prefer to just keep it professional. But uh, I have a situation at work that's kind of uh, awkward because we have a Toxa account, which is more creative agency driven and we have an urbania account which is more a me it's a media account and the tone of voice we use in the urbania account is totally different from the toxa one and sometimes i i publish something on the, the urbania account that should have been published on the toxa <laughs> and it, it's kind of it drives me crazy so it's 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 hard even to manage just professional accounts so it's i can imagine yeah. that for people that need to separate the personal and the professional it's even worse you have to be schizophrenic i would say it, I do it all the time, too, actually, by mistake. I often publish Fuller Lando news on my Steph Darwish account, <laughs> which is a negative. I mean, it's information about taxes and whatnot. Everybody could use it. But the other way around would be <laughs> The other way around would be dangerous. a lot more awkward. <laughs> so if you don't have, Stephanie, if you don't have, a, um, I guess, a person attached to your Twitter account and it's a company account, should the tone be more neutral, more institutional? I believe that it should always be have a little bit of personality. I love Twitter accounts with personality. And this article I read on Mashable about DKNY's PR person. She started a Twitter account thinking it would be for the company called DKNY PR Girl or something to that effect. And as she was doing it, there was so much personality behind it that it became really popular. So she, it was her personality, but not her name. And that's what attracted people was the personality behind it. And I think part of that is when you have a lot of followers and you're working for a company, well, are those clients and contacts property of the company, property of the entrepreneur or not? And when we come back after the break, I think we'll have a little discussion about that. Today's entrepreneur on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Remaining moments with our guest Philippe Lamar, owner of Toxa, creative agency, and Stephanie Darwish, head of communications at Fuller Landau. And we're talking about social media, Josh, and when to separate personal and business. And one thing before the break was, you know, the employees that, that create all their followers and they don't separate themselves from the business, well then, are those followers the property of, and I know this is more of a legal question, but just, just kind of talking out loud, you know, if, if the employee leaves, you know, is the company like this DKNY, are they going to want those followers? And that's a really good point. And she actually mentions in the article, she is under no illusions that her 300,000 plus followers are not her followers. Yes, it's her voice and her personality, but they're DKNY. And another point in this article was there's um, a young man who was a blogger for a company and his Twitter account was kind of personal business and he had maybe five, 600,000 followers. But then he left the company and was at a new company and the original company asked him, well, those are our followers. They're following you because of the information you provide based on our information. So they sued him and they want their money because Twitter followers have value. Hmm. No, no, no question about it. And then there's the thought of, well, for the employees that are getting followed or that do have these, their Facebook accounts, Twitter accounts, should the employer even monitor such things of what they write? Like, you know, if you use your Twitter fuller account to send mm -hmm. information, should we be monitoring because you're representing Not that me. company? <laughs> I'm very cautious. And you know, Philippe, do you, uh, you know, I, I don't know how loose you are, how, what kind of rules or policies you have within, but are you concerned that any of, of your people send something out under a Toxa name that maybe you wouldn't want them to send? Well, 
they they don't have tax uh, accounts okay. or they don't brand themselves but it's something that you care about because it's the image of the company uh it's a side effect in a way i had an, an employee uh recently who had uh, public pictures of her with guns you know just mm -hmm. like in a in, in a gun show what, what do we uh, i didn't yeah. tell her anything but uh, i don't think it's appropriate and she she's gone now it's a it's, it's a it's Just a very kidding. touchy area there, there's no there's no there's no doubt it's a very touchy area and and tough to manage but an interesting discussion yes so so philip uh, as we uh, hit the remaining moments of the show uh, i would turn to you and say what piece of advice uh, or two would you have for today's entrepreneur um from my point of view well the main mistake I, i've done in throughout the years was to always want to partner with good friends of mine and i think that's unless you really put things on, down on paper and you really you, you're really focused on on what the partnership is about being starting with friends and becoming a partner is a, is a big move so think about it but it's it's tempting because you know you have fun being with your friends but start, uh, managing a business is different but the the one thing i've learned along the years and that, that's something that i now apply all the time is really to surround yourself with people that are more talented than you are in what they do. I'm not good at managing money. I hired a really good general manager who's good at it. I'm not good at uh, human resources. I have someone who's taking care of that who's much better than I am. I, I, at every place in the company, find people that are better than what you, than you at what they do. I thank think. you. Thank you very much, Philippe. Dan, the, the, the couple of takeaways, and I'll, I'll focus more on one. Certainly one is shareholders agreement. If you're in with a partner, don't, don't take light of it. Don't take light of the situation. Make sure it's the real document and make sure that it evolves with the business in time. But more importantly, the bigger takeaway I, I, uh, from Philippe and the discussion is more, is, is more about never forgetting what's ahead. Don't get lost in today because there, there is a tomorrow. And if you do get lost in today, even though it may be the most fantastic project, if you get lost in today and don't think ahead about tomorrow, that entrepreneur might not have a tomorrow. So never forget about it today with some great stuff. Philippe Lamar, owner of Toxa, thanks very much for coming in tonight, Philippe. Thank you for having me. And Stephanie Darwish from Full Orlando, thanks for the social media lesson. Thank you. And Josh, we're off next week because it's tax time. April 30th, everybody should get their taxes in by then. i got to get on that. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks, Josh. Yes. This is News Talk Radio, CJD 800.